Well, hello. It's nice to be back on this um, show. Not like I have any other option, but you got to say it like you mean it. Hey, um, I was um, delighted. I don't know if that's the right word, but it was quite um, maybe excruciating. <laughs> I don't know what the right word is, but it was um, kind of like a, oh, what's the word? Kind of like this, you know, there's this, Okay, let me let me get my thoughts out. <laughs> what the fuck am I going on about? Anyhow, okay, let me just talk about this uh, experience. You know, you have, we all have obnoxious people in our family, right? Families. Um, I, you know, an uncle who kind of, you know, behaves really sort of, uh, you know, what's the word? Like maybe, you know, he's boisterous or. Um, says inappropriate things or is really close-minded to ideas or maybe an aunt or maybe, you know, granddad, maybe a mom, whoever, maybe. But, you know, when they're not there uh, or when you're not in front of them, you kind of reminisce sometimes going, ah, I know it's obnoxious, but just, you know, it's, it's good to have that to break this uh, monotony of life. And I feel this monotony of life in society as well can be sort of drawn um, a paddle can be drawn when we have the same kind of spiel and the same kind of um, narrative being, you know, repeated everywhere you go and you everywhere you turn to. So you have these people who are talking about, of course, I'm in no way right now, I want to come to the thing happening in Ukraine, which of course is uh, devastating for families. And I was listening to a podcast, which The Guardian does called Politics Weekly, and they had some sound bites from uh Kiev, Kiev, I've heard both pronunciations. And it's just, my God, man, it made me um, really, really sort of anxious and stressed out just hearing those um, those bomb sirens or whatever they're called. And um, then you hear the bomb blast and like, fuck, it must be so terrifying for kids and adults even. I don't think any human being can go through that without coming out on the other side. Um, really scarred for life. So I I don't even know if it means anything by me saying, you know, my um, heart is with those people because I don't know if that's even possible. But uh, I think we all want to believe in some way that, you know, our thoughts are with them and we're trying to think. But I think it's impossible for another human being to empathize with such a horrific situation unless you've been through it, of course. Um, but, you know, I've been following the, the Guardian's coverage of it and um, it just... You know, I don't know uh, the, the, the the kind of person that person uh, leading Ukraine is. Uh, I don't know Vladimir Putin personally. I just, I think we all just sort of figure out these people from what the media reports on them. But, you know, just this idea that this man is out there, you know, amidst his people, trying to encourage them to fight back. I don't know the history of Ukraine and Russia. I don't know the border uh, wars. I don't know the annexation uh, story. I don't know any of this. Uh, I'm not a historian. I'm not a political scientist. I'm not an international relations expert. But just as another human being, um, you know, in my short, middle, sort of aged life of experiencing, you know, what happened in, um, you know, I wasn't around for the Cold War and the tensions that built up then, but, you know, just the World War, not World War, sorry, uh, the, you know, obviously the Gulf War, the first one, um, even the second one, then you have the Afghan, the Iraq, uh, that's of course the second one, and then even Kosovo, and um, that's during Clinton's time, I think, you could, just those aircrafts bombing, and 
I don't know, man. Maybe am I am I a different person now? So I'm able to you know be in a position to empathize more or just feel more. I suppose you know kids have less filters, so they are able to just feel more of the raw information. But um, it's it's such a horribly sad situation that um, it's repeating itself over and over again, right? Whether it's Putin and uh, his plans for expanding Russian borders, or maybe if that's not the plan, I don't know what it is, or you know America on the other side going and you know liberating countries and you know in the name of democracy. I don't know what the fuck that plan is, but clearly that's um, very noble sounding. But the reality is, people do get killed, and more often than not, it's the people who aren't in power. It's the people who are just trying to get by and um, you know have hope with their families and have a better future and enjoy some memories and make this life, you know, for whatever it's worth, enjoyable. Uh, but they seem to get fucked first. And, you know, from those people who are trying to flee, getting bombed, just the stories, they're, they're heartbreaking. You know, obviously I can't put words to describe their suffering, but I'm just trying to um, understand myself what, what to feel and why uh, we keep repeating this to each other, these atrocities, this this idea to grab more, this idea to expand our sovereign, uh, you know, sovereign presence, all these weird things, which of course can be applied to studies and you're taught these subjects as examples in history. Why the fuck is it a history lesson, right? Why is it a political science theory or an international relations model that these things go down in history as like oh, we must learn from world war one uh, what strategies and why countries do this and why societies turn in a certain direction um and, and, and either thing i remember i don't know if i've spoken about this but i did my bachelor's i attempted to do my bachelor's in political science and international relations and you know the guy who taught us that international relations 101 class was ex uh, Margaret Thatcher's cabinet and he got fired for or he was asked to lead the cabinet because he leaked certain secrets to the civilians because he felt it was in their interest to know what was going on and um, you know I really didn't pay attention but you know a couple of examples was like the Bay of Pigs the Cuban missile crisis uh, World War 1 World War 2 and these things of course in reality were not uh, theories or not strategies or not battle um, decisions, right? It was literally people dying. And I like how we kind of make these examples into things to study uh, in the, under the pretext maybe of becoming experts and then commenting on it. But of course, or uh, maybe the hope is that we learn how not to repeat it. But clearly you and I know not to fucking bomb someone. And in fact, if we do that, we are put behind bars and maybe worse, uh, get ass raped or something like that. Something fun like that, you know, like a Sunday activity. Just like, oh, cool. What are you going to do to me? Fuck me up my ass. Oh, lovely. It's it's nice to spend time in prison, right? Something something like that. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's how they, um, you know, have, um, you know, activities in jail. Uh, but what I'm trying to say is, it's the people in power who keep kind of coming into the sort of the theater of politics who are experts. Like Putin is not like you and me. He's not a, a guy who's said, oh, you know, I'm going to start a YouTube channel and oh, it failed. I, I'm going to bomb the shit out of Ukraine. This guy was ex-KGB. He's been um, kind of nurtured and kind of cultivated by the ex-Soviet mindset. He knows what war does. He knows what 
you know, military intelligence in the wrong hands does. He knows how sovereign powers are created, destroyed, how the Soviet was a large empire, which is no longer powerful. And, and obviously he had these motivations that led to Russia being what it is and where their policy and their attack uh, sort of strategies heading as we speak. So it's, 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 a, it's, it's a miserable situation that um, the majority is powerless and suffers the most, right? Because, I mean, of course, the soldiers are being directed by generals who are being directed by politicians, which in itself is a really weird um, setup, right? I don't know why that would happen. Um, on the other end, you have military coups where the military takes over, which is also not a good thing. And um, overall, I just feel it's a really bitter set of experiences that have happened over hundreds and thousands of years. And of course, now in the age of information, we get to kind of hear it happening live. And while I might not be a person in Ukraine, I might not be a person in Russia, I might not have anyone there or any friends there. Um, I mean, I do know a few people, but what I'm trying to understand is how not to feel, right? Because, and even if I am feeling, what do I feel? Like, do I feel sad? Of course. Do I feel disgusted with human kind of greed? Yes. Do, but how do you, like, we can in one way feel the real feelings by live reporting or sound bites, as I heard. But at the other end, am I disconnected enough to then just switch off the app or the news article which I'm reading and just say, hey, but I don't hear anything here. So it's really weird. And then the narrative keeps continuing. The noise is there. And as I keep talking about the noise is there and you have people who are podcasters, people who are YouTubers, people who are news correspondents trying to get through the noise and report facts. But then you have someone, and this is the reason why I mentioned this up top, the obnoxious uncle who has been missing in your life for a while because he or she, um, I mean, if your uncle's a girl, I mean, of course, that's a very progressive uncle who's <laughs> decided to get a sex change. But what I mean is that obnoxious family member, you miss them for a while. They're like, actually, they're better off not there. But, you know, sometimes ah, it'll be interesting to get their take on this topic. And boom, that's it. That's Trump for you coming out in the news, saying things like crazy stuff. I can't believe he said this shit. In fact, it's it's borderline stupid, but it's borderline funny and it's borderline crazy. It's borderline scary, right? Because this man, um, of course, people demonize him. And yeah, he probably said enough shit to be demonized. But he said this thing. I don't know if you guys read this, uh, where he said the US should send F-22 fighters with Chinese um, flags on them or Chinese um symbols or whatever the Chinese insignia insignia why the hell did I say insignia I didn't mean to say insignia my voice just went really funny when I said f22 insignia and <laughs> insignia or whatever what is it called it's camouflage no whatever the the IDs the identity sort of uh yeah flags yeah flag paint whatever and he said the US should send f22 fighters with Chinese uh, paint on it like Chinese coloring Chinese symbols Chinese signs on it and they should bomb the shit and bomb the shit out of Russia and come back and then let China and Russia start fighting and we should sit back and watch the fun. I fucking cracking up because it's such serious news, heartbreaking stories. Um, like literally, I'm seeing the progress of the articles, right? Like you have things like, oh, um, Ukraine live updates, uh, Vladimir Zelensky um, saying that he's not going to back down, not to leave Kiev uh, till this battle or this war is done. Then you have... Um, correspondents who are giving, you know, blow by blow instance, uh, you know, incident reports. 
and boom, Donald Trump saying, bomb the shit out of them by disguising American jets as Chinese fighters. <laughs> what the fuck is that guy on about? Uh, he's, I don't know, man, he's entertaining. I know it's not a good thing to expect from a person who controls so much military might. Entertainment is not something you sort of turn to, I think. Uh, but it's just fucking, what the hell did he say? It's like that obnoxious uncle, like, fucking eh. Now I know why we don't call him over, right? But yeah, that's what he said. And I don't know. I don't know what to make of this. I obviously doesn't matter what I make of it, but I just wanted to talk about it and sort of just put my thoughts out there. And of course, if you are someone, I don't even think you'll be listening to this podcast right now. If you're living in Ukraine, I don't know why you would turn to the Soapy Rouse show for solace. But if it's um, for anyone, if this is a sense of solace where you turn to, um, I'm glad and uh, thanks for tuning in because especially if you're in any place which is not, I don't think anywhere in the world is kosher, but if you're anywhere where there's turmoil, whether it's in society, in your family, whether it's in your life, and if this show gives you some sense of, oh, you know, distraction or takes you away from uh, what you're going through, if it's tough, um, if it just gives you a little bit of respite for a while, I'm really thankful that it does that for you and I'm really appreciative of the fact that you um, tune in to this show and let me be that distraction and that sense of respite for you. So I really appreciate it. And if you feel this will help, just me rambling on, talking about um, war in a very uninformed um, two years of political science, international relations in my undergrad. Um, if this, if you think this is going to give someone else a sense of what the fuck, uh, please do share it with them. But um, yeah, I don't get emotional or any of that. You know me. I I do get emotional. Eh. But I, I just try to understand feelings right now. I'm in that age. Because, you know, things coming my way, which in, involve maturity, emotional maturity, responsibility. I'll talk about that soon. I will tell you. You might already know. Um, the, some news that my wife and I have to share which will be sooner than later. And uh, I'll tell you about that because it's, uh, that's another th set of emotions I want to explore and talk about and, of course, get your thoughts. And the way you do that, of course, my friend, is to drop a comment or you can send in an email. If you're listening to this on YouTube, I don't know why you would do that, but you can drop a comment. Most direct way of getting in touch with me. Or you can email show S-O-A-P-Y-R-A-O-S-H-O-W at gmail.com. And Somnath will tell me, hey, there's someone who's written to you. And I'll be like, ooh, nice. That's how I react to Somnath. Ooh. So that's how we keep in touch. Now, uh, my guest on today's episode is Saujanya Shetty, as the name on the title suggests or told, told you, tells you. Uh, she's a corporate woman in a corporate life, a woman in corporate life now turned to um, the passion economy. I didn't even know that was a word, but apparently it is a word, a passion economy. She's a YouTuber, started a channel called Attitude Makeover. We talk about uh, what she's experienced in corporate life and uh, the various things that she's done to get to where she is and how that's helped her with all the learning that uh, she has gathered over the years, helped her decide what she wants to do going ahead and how it has influenced what she wants to do with the Attitude Makeover channel, the conversations she has with people on that channel and what the purpose of the channel is and what she wants to get out of the people she's interviewing. So we talk about that and a whole lot more. And as always, ask a lot of questions and I don't wait for the answers. 
that's the Sophie Rao show. <laughs> but she's a really fun person. We had a really fun chat. So uh, do enjoy and um, do stay in touch and do listen as always to this previous and future episodes. I appreciate it as always. Till next time, goodbye. God bless. Take care of yourselves and catch you on the other side. Saujanya Shetty, welcome to the Soapy Rao Show. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you. It's a privilege to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's a very, um, I mean, very, very respectful privilege to be here. No, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I did a recording, um, I did an interview, I wouldn't say recording, with this reverend from Zambia. And he was like, oh, I, I like your insights, except for the expletives before the recording. I'm like, hey, do take it easy. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I hope your listeners aren't um, easily offended. <laughs> no, I, I have to tell you this. So when I um, set out Attitude Makeover and the podcast went live, some of the guests asked me, can I swear? Can I use bad words in this? And I'm like, yeah, because my natural self is not very, you know, um, uh, clean in the language <laughs> yeah. um, in the corporate world you're forced to sort of have a certain language um, and a style. I don't get that hypocrisy in the corporate world you know like when I'm asked to do a gig for a corporate get together yeah. it's always like please keep the content clean for you know like as though they as of the moment a normal human being enters a corporate life they become this sterile version of themselves where the <laughs> language is is you know exemplary in its in its diction the grammar is great we never have uh, even thought of a dirty thought in our lives like i, I think like, uh, so initially when i started that was yeah. my mindset but i i think here's my reasoning around that right like yeah. you have people coming in from different backgrounds yeah. um and you don't know what gets offensive to somebody so mm. and the it's a mass game it's not like uh, yeah. five people or something so when you are dealing with the mass it's yeah. better to sort of put a guideline around this. So you're... No, I get it for get-togethers in the sense, especially with the online uh, format. Yeah. Right? Like you have yeah. thousand people and they're in their living room and someone may be there or maybe they are in there. Oh, I don't want to hear this in exposure levels. And as you said, threshold for hearing stuff may be different. But I just get the, the, the hypocrisy, like how corporates... Like in the sense, the HR department or whoever's responsible, I understand they're trying to cover their ass with, oh, we don't want anyone with grievances complaining, saying right, the right. HR policy violated my sense of uh, faith that this company is trustworthy, whatever. But just the larger picture, right? I'm not specifying, uh, like being specific to any one corporate, but this hypocrisy of like one side, they're pilfering funds or having extramarital affairs. Other side, they're coming and telling me, can you keep the language clean? It's a bit sensitive in this. I'm like, okay, cool, man. You know, but you spend enough time in corporate, uh, yeah. in, in, in the corporate sort of role. Uh, you were in sales, you said, right? Yeah, I, the last stint was in sales at Microsoft. So how was that whole experience from, say, the last uh, sort of stint at Microsoft to when it started? Uh, because it clearly has benefited you to bring you to where you are today. And yeah. it's all, obviously, I don't mean that all corporate is negative. Of course, there are a lot of lives that have benefited from it. So so can you like kind of paint a picture of how you got to um, this sort of launch point before Microsoft, uh, before you left Microsoft? Sure. So I, I think Sandeep at the at the core of it, I'll just 
talk a little bit about myself. So I've always been a lifelong learner. Mm. And I think I get bored very fast. Um, <laughs> that's been that's my... A good, that's a good skill. <laughs> it's a bane of my <laughs> journey yeah. as well. So it essentially means that, you know, every three years I was sort of starting from clean slate but mm -hmm. a bigger picture that I always had was I want to understand how a business works end to end mm -hmm. and so while I started off um, with um, you know a chipset design engineer mm -hmm. um, because I came from the engineering background as electronics and communication mm -hmm. um, I gradually sort of skipped hopped into different portfolios within my career whether mm -hmm. it was um, um, the embedded programming or like you know actual coding and development to product management to pre-sales to setting mm -hmm. up an agency um, advertising agency and consulting business to analytics oh wow okay. operations so I gradually pivoted towards sales and I started enjoying the sales part of it mm -hmm. and I think sales really um, the last stint in Microsoft uh, uh, as a seller and a uh, business development and then pure sales mm -hmm. really gave me a bigger perspective of, you know, it's one thing to build something. It's one thing to visualize a product and strategize that and, you know, maneuver people around it and all that stuff. It's a different ball game to sell. Uh, mm -hmm. The skills that are required are like solid life skills. And I think everybody should do some field role at some point in their career mm -hmm. because it's a very humbling experience. You cannot carry ego on yourself because uh, mm -hmm. everybody's else, everybody else's ego is more important than yours um mm. it's very focused it's very number driven um while the corporate world teaches you a whole lot around process tools discipline and sort of hones you around some of those skills sales really fills the rest of the void that one doesn't have from a life skill perspective whether it is um you know identifying potentials planning for how many leads you'll have to build for a conversion, mm. what kind of pitches, what's in it for him, really understanding it's, it, it really makes you listen, get empathetic, focus on things, say no to things very quickly. Mm. And the art of negotiation, oh, that's a different ballgame itself. So I think having maneuvered through this journey and now uh, really this is my third startup I'm venturing into and mm. it's a completely new space again creative space which I've never done before um, I think those skills are what complements me as I go through this complete new learning journey that I'm on right now with Attitude Makeover and I think it helps having a sense of doing a bunch of things right because uh, my you know my my knowledge of sales is that if you have it's it kind of has to complement what you're selling because yeah. the, the 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 more crap your product is or the more holes it has in its in its essential sort of offering your job as a salesperson gets harder because you have to make up a bigger and more compelling story but yeah. if your product is solid and it's really i think uh the the reason i'm sort of trying to understand um or, or get this perspective from you is with anything right be it your channel with the content or be it uh, this podcast or be it a um you know say a customer relationship management tool yeah if the product is good the job of sales is to take it from 100 percent to 150 or 200 percent right but yeah. i find especially when you mention egos in sales it's so obvious because 
you don't really meet the engineers that often, right? Like say at, at any big company which which sells products or services, you don't meet, um, you, you kind of have to meet the sales and marketing people because they're the ones who are the face of the company. Um, and it tends a lot of times, I'm not generalizing that everyone's like this, but it is such a large ego sort of driven game because end of the day, they have to be seen that they are the company's face. They're like, oh yeah, of course, you know, he had numbers and they drop all these things and the accent, I don't know why the accent comes, but inevitably they drop an accent as well. But how was it like, you know, managing to keep, um, I mean, of course, and I think being an engineer, doing the stuff that you did, it gave you a sense of, okay, I understand what I'm selling as opposed to just faffing, right? Which yeah. a lot of um, salespeople do because they're like, I don't know the product, but I'm going to make up some stuff. But so, so, so when you, did know, okay, I've done a bit of technical, I know a bunch of stuff with analytics. I, so I'm bringing all this knowledge to this role. Did you find that you could really sort of put yourself out there more and um, you had, I don't know if it's a question whether you had it upper hand, but more importantly, how was it kind of, you know, adapting yourself to that particular role of this product that you had to sell, which was a Microsoft product? So I think uh, the couple of things. So what I went with as strengths is the solution mindset, because as a product person, mm. you have a solution mindset. It's not just about the product. It's also where it fits in. What are some mm -hmm. of the, you know, it's about connecting. Let's say you're a marketing person and I come and tell you, oh, sir, I have this amazing product. You should try it. It's mm. not going to cut it. It's about how it fits into your story and the art of storytelling and connecting based on that and how you build the trust. And in sales, you don't have like six months to build that. It's like, yeah. you know, you probably get about 15 minutes, 30 minutes. And how do you prepare for some conversation like that? Um, that's the first part. And I think there I had definitely the, you know, the career that I had really helped me in building mm. that connection mm -hmm. um where i really had a ramp was the real sales part which is um the number games the negotiation mm -hmm. um and identifying uh, like you know if i have to do a sales conversion of you know hit a number of hundred dollars this month i need to sort of pipe it for like you know 500 or 400 dollars mm -hmm. um so by the time i finish the various stages of sales I do have a hundred dollar conversion. And if that doesn't mm. happen, I have a backup as well. So these are things I, I think these are more sales uh, related stuff I learned. Mm -hmm. uh, but the other piece of really working in the other sectors that and and since I worked in other verticals, industry verticals, and mm. not just tech, I could easily, you know, correlate with what that other individual in an organization is going through mm. and you know build the solution pitch accordingly and so there's more truth and reality because i know what is the pain points on the other side because i've lived that life mm. um, and there's an immediate connection because we're talking the same language i think those were some strengths i came with but the learning curve on this side in terms of pure sales skills oh that was like a huge ramp nice no, because the thing is, you've come, of course, um, from, you're, you're not originally from Bangalore, but it's your home now. And yeah. how was that experience moving? I think you said you're originally from Bangalore, right? That's And you moved to Bangalore. And so did, I mean, I mean, just, you know, more and more aware of the fact that Bangalore is more than just a city where people live. It is also a hub which attracts a lot of people from around the country and now even the world uh, with its sort of investment opportunities with its job opportunities with its growth 
and career opportunities. And even, of course, now with creative, uh, you know, creative um, avenues that you can explore. Yeah. But did that, did your, um, did you have carry over any sort of thing from Mangalore to Bangalore, which either prevented you or helped you or were, were there things which you're, with your mindset that kind of helped you or were like, wait, wait a second, this isn't, this is coming in the way when I'm in a big city or, or what, what, what was that experience like? So I, uh, while I was born in Mangalore, I grew up completely in Bangalore. Oh, um, so you're a, okay. Yeah, you're totally, yeah. So I'm okay, a okay, complete Bangalore bred. Uh, but having said that, I think, uh, and, and, and I grew up in a household, like I told you earlier, it's just mum and my sister and me. I lost mm. my dad when I was three years old. So mm. the value system I grew up with itself is very different from many people, um, you know, normal families, if I can call it that, because... Mm. Um, you know, you have only three women, so there's no concept of patriarchy itself. <laughs> yeah. So three strong women who basically have to support each other, right? Yeah. And so that was the first thing. Then because I didn't come from a very well-off background, um, essentially it meant I knew what financial planning, financial independence meant uh, from the moment I can really reflect back as uh, memory can take me back to right yeah, yeah. and so that actually sculpted me in a different way itself uh, I've been entrepreneurial right from when I can think of like 13 years old <laughs> I've been Excellent, thinking of yeah. right and so that was important but I think once I moved to the US and this is my belief uh, Sandeep that everybody should at some point get out of their comfort zone and get out of their hometown mm. and go live somewhere else so when I did that I realized and I took up pre-sales um, mm. and in an interactive television space where I had to interact with pure sellers um, in the US and mm. I am um, a very shy introvertish sort of a person mm. and I don't have icebreakers I struggle with conversations um, mm. hitting it off with strangers and all that stuff and plus a new place new culture new style of talking everything right mm. and so I volunteered to be in a radio station as a RJ uh, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> in New York and then yeah. I volunteered uh uh, to run a wholesale cigarette showroom in uh, the East Coast. Mm. And that really uh, pushed me to really, and I've been, uh, like I said, as a lifelong learner, there are different ways of learning. I read a lot, but I also uh, talk to a lot of people who are practicing in that space, ask a lot of questions to understand, mm. you know, the nuances of their journey. And plus, I take the plunge. I sort of take the plant because I learn by experience. So when I did the RJ as well as this um, uh, cigarette shop, shop thing, uh, while doing the pre-sales, it really helped me break ice with someone, you know, the icebreakers became a little more easier. Mm. Um, conversations and confidence on myself became a little more easier to deal with. Um, yeah. And that was reflected back in my work. So I, I think that was a game changer for me. So that post that when I came back to India, I, I really was sculpted again differently. Um, so you went to America with a job, like uh, on an assignment, or you just went there uh, as a as a move in life? I want to go settle down. What was the thing? Because I mean, you you work from a radio station to like a tobacco wholesale thing. <laughs> That's not someone who goes on an assignment, say with Infosys, ends up doing. So, no. like, how did you land there? Like. 
So I got, I, I used to work for Honeywell and I got uh, married mm. and um, I, I married my kindergarten classmate and uh, he was based out of, I mean, he was working in the US at that time. Ah, and okay. so we moved there nice. and uh, I didn't want to sort of become a stay at home. Um, right. So I decided I will start looking for a job and I got this job in uh, Pennsylvania and, but you know, and I've never done pre-sales before. I've been a techie. I was doing embedded programming and, mm. um, you know, that kind of stuff. And as a techie, as a developer, you have your own space. It's like a zone, you know, you yeah, have... You like, sit with your machine and you do your coding or... Yeah, and then the solution. guys you interact with are also like you, right? Yeah. Um, the, the conversations revolve around what's the new thing that's happening uh, how do you build something else? And it, mm. whereas when you go to sales or pre-sales, it's a different conversation itself. It's a marriage of business, technology, worldview, everything that comes together. Yeah. And uh, and that when you start realizing that, it sort of you know has a impact on your confidence. Um, you think fifteen times before you open your mouth as to oh, is this a stupid question kind mm. of a thing, yeah. which is where I decided okay. Um, and since US, you had the flexibility of you know coming at six in the morning and leaving by four, I could sort of do other gigs and things in the side nice. um, to constantly hone this. And so it really worked for me because especially the cigarette showroom one in terms of like you know just planning inventory. Uh, mm. you know, understanding customers. So when a customer walks in, these are wholesale showrooms. So you need to know, oh, this customer is actually looking for a Newport carton versus a multiple so carton. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so these are like, you know, huge Philip Morris trucks that used to come, um, you know, to refill your inventory and things like that. So you had to yeah. manage and plan all of that. So it gave yeah. me a bigger perspective of, you know, how to run a bigger business of this sort. Okay. So that yeah, really because, helped in the whole planning uh, or molding my future career itself. Yeah, it gives you a sense of, I think the nice thing is gives you a sense of context, right? What to apply yeah. when and what to apply where. Yeah. Because it's great to have, I think, a classroom perspective yeah. and knowledge about, okay, yeah, this is what you do when you go to make a pitch deck or this is what you got to do when you're, say, you know, planning inventory for a warehouse or a logistical sort of um, 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 issues when it comes to whatever the business. But if you apply the wrong information to the the, the right situation or the right inf information to the wrong situation, it's you're kind of just sitting there going, okay, you know what, I'm going to spend more and more time on this, but you don't end up finding an efficient way of getting the result. So did so, so yes, yeah, so because from there you, you you've done you sold six sold whole cigarettes. You worked in a wholesale cigarette company, and then you went to this this phase of analytics, pre-sales, sales, and then you said you made the f the flip to an online creative studio, or rather a channel which makes life skill. Um, information about life skills and how to sort of get that ball rolling and how to go down an avenue of exploring, okay, I have this idea for an alternate career, but many times you're like, mm, where do I start? Yeah. And with yeah. the internet, it's great. But with the internet, it's also very confusing because you want to say, become a YouTube creator or a video gamer. And suddenly you're looking online and everyone's like, oh my God, wait, you're a video gamer. You have two views, man. I'll show you how to make a million in one, one hour. Then you're like, but oh, I'm clearly not good at this because 
There's so many voices. Everyone's trying to shout louder than the other. Everyone claims that they got more following. Then the algorithms drive a certain kind of personality in a certain kind of content game more than another. So you have all these things. So then how do you decide in your uh, situation that I'm going to enter this market, enter this game with YouTube as this channel called Attitude Makeover? Like where did that spark or that idea to push ahead with it go or come from? So I think it goes back to what I said earlier. I've always been a learner. My way of learning has been books. Um, I listen to a whole lot of podcasts. I enjoy long format podcasts. I don't like these small bite uh, podcasts because it just gives you short, um, mm. you know, takes on things. But I like the long format because it sort of goes through a journey. You sort of get into the details and and then you go back to a research. I do have a research mindset. Um, mm -hmm. And that probably is the background that I've done um, work in that space as well. Mm -hmm. um, so it started off with just that because I was very interested in, I used to listen to a lot of podcasts and I found content from India, which are relevant for one as you're going through a professional career's uh, journey is very limited. And this was way back around five, six years back. And uh, um, I then try to sort of say, okay, I'm going to see what it takes to build content of my own. So mm -hmm. about five years back, I ventured into building my own only sound-based podcast. Um, and I decided uh, it needs to be something that is interesting and keeps me occupied. Um, and so I decided I would explore, at that time, the Section 377 was very active. Mm -hmm. And I knew very little about um, that aspect itself. And so I said, let me go down the rabbit hole of figuring out what it means um, and also see if I can actually create a series which will create awareness around it. So that's how it started. And I um, first started to see, I reached out to a whole bunch of uh, uh, transgenders who were working in um, you know, companies um, mm -hmm. to see if we can talk to them about their journey. And I realized it's a very it's a community of sorts and they don't, it's not as easy as just going and approaching someone and wow. saying, yeah, I want to talk to you. And so I went through alternate law firms and NGOs. It was roughly about a year and a half worth work. And then I got to talk to four of them and I recorded uh, the whole podcast and uh, it was about 48 hours of recording, which I wanted to do as a seven series podcast. Um, I took it to a whole bunch of sound editors and they said, the sound quality is so crap, we can't do this. Mm. And I just parked that. I realized my awareness on this community and the whole LGBT bit in India itself just became much more clearer. And uh, I went back to work and I dwell deeper into the roles that I got, uh, whether it is uh, sales operations or pure sales post that. Mm -hmm. I think last year is when I sort of started really questioning the second wave made us all think about what is life and what are we doing what is purpose yeah. and things like that and that's when I went through this whole thing of you know what am I headed towards what is what is my bigger picture mm. what's my purpose because all these years it was about career growth I knew I wanted to be someone big in an organization um, and you know money drives you in a lot of ways as well right and yeah. I think at 
when I started reasoning around this is when I realized the bigger picture for me is very different this time. Mm -hmm. And so I started then uh, doing a little more research on, you know, whether to do just a sound based podcast or video based podcast. Where do I want to see myself? And what is the bigger objective of doing all this? Mm -hmm. And it took me about a month and a half to two months. I started with just basic blogging um, mm -hmm. on topics that are I found probing enough um, around career as I was going through this, you know, very thought provoking journey at that point. And I saw people were very reciprocative to that. And uh, mm. that motivated me to think more aggressively about it. And then I just took the plunge on uh, recording about 30 uh, podcasts, uh, lining up guests, because um, podcasting is not that simple, uh, especially for a shy person like me, because you're out there being very vulnerable, every bit of your body mm. movements, your language, your expressions, your thoughts, um, your biases, everything is out there. Mm. Um, and plus, I don't think I'm a great listener. So yeah, that, that's <laughs> something I've noticed in myself as well, is that there's this eagerness, especially when this is the medium to talk. And I just did that. I just cut you off. So <laughs> <laughs> point in case, but no, I think that it's, it's important to speak about listening, right? But I um, really think being, uh, do you, I mean, do you think being shy and not too sort of boisterous as a speaker maybe ended up benefiting you because just by virtue of the fact that you don't put yourself out there, you end up listening more? Oh, not at all. Not at all. So right. there were two things. Why, why I chose uh, conversation. So podcast, I decided, okay, I'm going to do podcast. Then again, I sort of went back into researching around, there are different types of podcasts, short bites, half an hour bites, long bites, uh, mm -hmm. long sessions. And then there are interview based, there are, you know, conversations. So I decided I will do conversations mm -hmm. uh, because one of the things I found, and this is me um, as a very shy sort of person, is I don't I, I sort of engage in very shallow conversations. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard work for me to get into more meaningful, deeper conversations. Mm -hmm. And I do that when it is required for me, like when it's part of my learning process, um, as selfish as it sounds. Uh, or I would do that with people I'm very comfortable with, but not with total strangers. And so mm -hmm. I said, okay, let me explore this side of me as to why that's so inhibiting. And uh, I chose very consciously uh, to do long format, deeper conversations mm -hmm. um, with guests coming from different backgrounds, like, you know, creator gig as well as passion economy, because everybody has a journey. Mm -hmm. um, and if you see the first couple of uh, podcasts of mine, there's all this uh, ooh, and, and all that stuff. And then, yeah. you know, um, the expressions, the body language. And I don't think I fixed a lot of it still. It's a journey. But mm. I think uh, it's made me get into more meaningful conversations, ask more intriguing questions. Really, it's all about the guest for me. Mm. And so when it is all about the guest, then it is about how to get to know the guest better. Mm. Um, and so you that really for, helps. From the, from the, on behalf of the audience trying to open yes. up this person, right? Yes. So do you find, because, you know, it, it sounds similar to what I do on this podcast. It's it's a conversation and I don't want one aspect of the human being or the person I'm interviewing uh, to come out on the episode, but I want to understand a lot of who um, 
and what rather not who they are because that of course is also what they want to put out uh with uh, their sort of strengths and sort of hide weaknesses or that's a personal decision they want to do but more importantly what shapes a person with um a uh, various um chapters in life that they've been through right it could be the learning it could be the experiences it could be family it could be um peer pressure with schooling or with college or university or with job um kind of pursuit of th- money so i want i had a couple of things i want to talk about like uh, you know because you do you do talk to people um in the space that they are really sort of keen on sharing and growing so right. how hard is it i think i think maybe i'll talk about the first point i want to understand how you are people willing to go deeper i want to talk about about that in a bit but this thing you mentioned a few minutes back about money right yeah. i i've been thinking about the about this as well um because you know you have a very different background i have a very different background but yet we catch ourselves pondering a lot about how this this instrument i like to call it um, also becomes an ob- obsession right yeah. um because you have very different um set of things you've done which is mainly um a job role in an organization and of course you've taken risks with other things but end of the day there was a salary or there was a motivating factor which was monetary right and mine has been entirely different in the sense of course you know i didn't have a proper job because i wasn't qualified to get a job that was you know it was it was thought provoking enough it was a, a job it had a salary but i found and now people are like oh yeah but you know you you can't really say each person and, and the other person are the same because you know this is word being thrown around saying privilege right that if some person has a certain experience they can't really um speak about money or other lack of right but i feel it's the idea i'm not talking about the amounts involved but the idea is so easy to get obsessed by that um it's it's honestly speaking even though now i i know what i want uh, to a certain extent from my um work front if you want to call it that or what i want to do spend uh, through my days how do i want to spend the time creatively express what i want to do of course there's the podcast the stand up i'm saying just as an example there is still this idea which has been driven into my mind by whatever situation i was in it could be a, a contributing factor could be family but it is a large effect of the social aspect which is society the media which not so much social media because but of course that's also the new form of media which extends this idea that you have to be constantly getting money and i don't say money is not important you have to live and i think uh you need a certain amount of money which gives you a certain amount of um i wouldn't say cushion but it also gives you a certain amount of power and a uh, amount of uh, fighting power in yeah. this world for whatever you believe in or whatever whether whether it's a more dignified way of living sadly money does determine a certain amount of respect that you get from people around you but it's this thing i was thinking right i just just give you an analogy like if money was replaced with say sex and someone thought about sex all the time and everything they did was for that thing right yeah. um it was like oh i'm working because i want to have sex i'm i'm eating because i want to you're like dude you have a you have a problem <laughs> you have a sickness in the mind right yeah. they automatically make that a bad thing but when it becomes money you call them you call them what do you call them you call them oh investors you call them like uh, when, when, when yeah you call them like warren buffett or you call them you 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 celebrate them say look at these people they've 
spent their entire life focusing and making money and and that is applauded it's rewarded it's saying this is, this should be your um role model if you are looking down the space but i'm like can there be you know we don't have to have either thing but why is a sickness or an addiction rewarded in some aspects but if we are taught to say okay you know money is important but use it as an instrument use it as a tool and don't let the outcome of more money be the tempting factor right mm. so i mean this is sort of sort of become a long-winded sort of spiel but i just try trying to get your take on it because you also kind of meet people who are doing um exemplary work in their field or want to teach and want to spread the message of what they're doing and how does money feature into that and oh. maybe after that we can talk about how you get into that path the point of the conversation past the the facade or the shallowness so for me it uh, it's been a very intriguing intriguing topic right like mm. i like i said when i was growing up i i think my mom didn't even have a job and my dad passed away so she had to then go reskill herself get the job and then you know there were two girls growing up and so she had to plan ahead of time sorry this so, is in the 90s india or 80s or 90s or 2000s So I'm in my forties now. So this okay, so is around, in my uh, in the early eighties uh, right. sort of thing, right? Around the same, yeah, yeah. We were around, we were all close, in, close enough in age to kind Correct. of, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because yeah, just this is before. So for people who don't have context, this is before, um, you know, Bangalore became the IT hub with thousands of job opportunities, call centers, whatever may be, right? So this is the eighties yeah. Bangalore, which very different landscape. Yeah. yeah and so and i studied in like you know all subsidized my education was subsidized i studied in a convent school thanks to the nuns i had you know subsidized education and she mm-hmm. planned ahead of time for the only thing she actually had as expectations is i don't care if you don't learn dance or if you're not good in sports i'm giving you the biggest gift in your life which is mm. education for you to survive anywhere in the world mm. and i don't think me or my sister took that lightly because uh, we were seeing it very up close and personal every conversation every bit of how much is the com- money coming in what is the expense was very clear to all three of us at home mm. and discussed openly as well mm. and so money was a big part of growing up for me um and and i was also exposed thereby to future planning um a little bit about financial literacy financial education part of it as well very yeah. early on um as i got into the you know corporate world um in the early years it was a big driver because i've not seen it i wanted to live independently Absolutely, i wanted yeah. to live luxuriously and so it was a big driver but mm-hmm. i think when i came back from the us it changed from money driving it to really positioning the value prop i have and so money became a second conversation mm-hmm. the objective became more of learning and how i'm gaining that filling that portfolio for myself kind of a thing mm. so money automatically came in and it really helped me you know widen my um scope of reach and things like that but mm. it was not like a big driver and another thing that really helped me was i married my kindergarten classmate and mm. together the rule of thumb that we had in our marriage was that no loans nice. um no loans no credit cards and that really helped me again because when uh, you don't have any liabilities that you're working on mm-hmm. um the attitude that you go towards a job or a career is very different this is not mm-hmm. happening i don't like it okay 
no problem. I'm going to move on. I'm not like stuck there because I have an EMI to pay and things like yeah, that. Yeah, right? yeah. But gradually I realized as I started growing in my career that my relationship with money has been changing. It's not like a big aspect. And mm. that probably is coming from um, a point of, you know, I have it. So now let me, you know, talk mm. about this kind of a thing. I don't think I would have had this attitude and approach if you had talked to me about 15 years back even. Um, mm. but as I Which then, is quite remarkable. And, and that's why I asked you the, 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 your point of view on it. And uh, just so you can, before you continue with the idea of it is, because it, it becomes a trap and which yes. corporate, the corporates use to keep you, yes. um, I wouldn't say um, kind of in their debt, but you end up becoming a part of this cycle, which is very hard to break yeah. because it's a cycle which never kind of, and ends up satisfying you but yeah. ends up becoming more and more sort of deeper in its in its kind of clutches on your expectations on your satisfaction levels on your self-worth levels on your the way you look at yourself and look at life because um every motivating factor needs to have a number a price tag yeah and uh what i find remarkable about or surprising rather and in a good way is that how you could kind of in your head tell yourself, especially when your relationship with money was not the most favorable growing up, say, okay, you know what? Okay, money is good. But now I want to understand what's my potential as a person, as a human being, not as a sales executive who can reach head of sales or chief um, marketing officer or whatever it may be, which is the highest position because of the price tag that is attached to it. But to say, okay, you know what? Okay, money is good. I have it. I can use it. But I want to understand how I can learn to understand this aspect of my self, self maybe yeah. a creative aspect, maybe a curious aspect. So that I, I just wanted to add that thought in there before Absolute. you continue. Yeah. Absolutely. And the, 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 the reason I was able to do that is because of the fundamental principle of no loans, no EMIs, mm. and no credit cards. Uh, because otherwise, you're in a very catch-22 uh, phase of life. You're constantly trying to feed one, which feeds into the other and you're in a yeah. cycle of sorts. Yeah. But, and so I think it started off with just a question of how much is enough? Like mm. what is enough? And and as I and because I was on this curious path of really getting into understanding money um, last year, I made it a point to actually get into some of these conversations with my guests as well. And mm. one thing I noticed is um, a lot of career journeys are shaped and refined and tuned depending on your relationship with money, just like mine. Mm. Um, the relationship with money sort of defines a lot of things on how you take a plunge, what kind of risks you take, how yeah. much of a risk you take, um, everything, right? It, it, it It's very much, um, we live in a society which is very capitalistic. Even if you want mm. to get out of that uh, interlock it's very difficult and so uh, this relationship is a crucial part of really um, you know either going after your passion or you know even how you look at things mm -hmm. should I just pause this no no don't worry about it I, we, we encourage uh, dogs on this uh, background noises by dogs <laughs> <Because> <laughs> my my dog has she barked I don't know if you heard her but the doorbell rang oh. so she's yeah so she's um Featured on this podcast multiple times. So your your, your <laughs> dog, I think he's a German Shepherd by the bark. 
No, this is a Doberman. She, it's a she. Oh, She's right. Le- Leia, and so. Nice. Oh. Yeah, that sounded like a watchdog, or an attack dog, or a defense dog. <laughs> Doberman, German Shepherd. Yeah, <laughs> she's just a sissy looking. I mean, she just looks scary, but a complete yeah. was. <laughs> oh really? Okay, so is my 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 uh, my dog's name is Jinke. Uh, oh. She um, got into a bit of a, a confrontation with a dead leaf. And the dead leaf end up winning. <laughs> she went to attack it. The wind blew the leaf, and she's like, "What the hell? It moved!" And she came running back in. <laughs> but no, I think yeah. I mean, uh, it's it's amazing that we are so blind to this idea that it's such a ob- it's an obvious bait, right? And I, and and I'm not undermining anyone's. Um, situation if you need money you do need a way to make it it's important because yeah. without money you cannot live uh, especially for multiple reasons like from a most fundamental i need to feed myself my family to even a more social level right you you, you need to for the betterment of um yourself it could be with health it could be access to health care it could be access to better food it could be access to better education you need money yeah. but the sickness of being in this money trap and i think the lockdown really brought that to the forefront where people were who made a lot of money suddenly had no um revenue because whatever whatever reason whether they got laid off or whether they were on uh, furlough or whatever it may be they might have had a lot of um you know showing off power just before the lockdown saying i get an income of 6 lakhs a month or 1 crore or maybe 100000 dollars a month whatever it may be but that was all caught up in the trap to feed that loop and suddenly they're like shit where's all the money gone yeah which is which which, which i find a way which is being used to control people and keep them constantly off balance which is something i was thinking of like okay you you, you um you know because i i work from home and um, overtly it looks like i don't do much man and i don't do much i'll be honest with you um in the sense it's not like a structured 9 to 5 day which a person who works has right but I was talking to my folks about this and I said you know yes while I might not be going out every other night working on new stand up material doing shows think about this right my frequency of shows is less but I'm not going out as much I'm not spending as much I'm at home doing this podcast and I do the occasional show so for them I was like think about it I spend less going out but yet I don't have much many expenses but I'm still getting the occasional show so they had it they're like yeah actually you know you you aren't possibly seen as working harder but people think the more they work the more money comes the better off they are which is not always the case right yeah yeah and i realized this i think uh, when you start introspecting around this you go on a total introspection journey because mm. then comes okay so then what's a bigger purpose yeah right no how much is enough as the starting point and then yeah comes okay what is a bigger picture for myself um so i see attitude makeover as my second stint of sorts yeah. um nice and so it's like a it's a different purpose than the previous one where mm. i can bring what i've learned from the first journey and sort of really create an impact on the second journey um mm. and that was very helpful and as i talk to my guests i realized that there's a clear uh, journey path that each one of us goes through mm-hmm. and the pace at which we figure this may be different yeah. um the sequence at which we figure this might be different but eventually 
you sort of unearth this gradually um mm. depending on what level of introspection you're in or if you're completely lost in you know work then that's a different priority so you're yeah. going deeper into a subject itself so and it's it's all fine but you know you yeah. learn from different um experiences and different people um yeah no i find that extremely uh, important because i i try doing that and still trying and i think it's one of those things as you said the pace is something you determine and it's so easy to get carried away by by someone else on on a youtube video saying what happened to this person is transformational and blow your mind and you're like it's not blowing my mind because i still haven't done it right yeah but you know it's 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 because this idea that oh i've spent 15 years work experience that's it my learning's done i'm i should be at this place there's a sense of entitlement if i put in this much time it should result in this direct correlation with how much i'm worth and even that term itself how much are you worth which is a stupid question right it's like your worth is attached to your bank balance or to the assets you have when yeah. you ask these questions of what is enough the worth becomes irrelevant because you already know that your worth as a human being is there and you don't need these attachments of identity and ego to give you a sense of worth which is another entire different topic if you want to go down <laughs> there we can but it's this idea that oh i want to stop learning because i have arrived and my uh price tag says that you have arrived which yeah. and breaking away from that is terrifying because you did have a proper well paying job and now you're saying that my next stint and even for me going oh 11 years 12 years of doing stand up now okay i i don't want to be defined as a full time stand up comedian i will do it full time but there are other things that will help and i want to explore as my journey of a human being which might not happen through stand up and just saying that to myself and making peace with that was quite uh, quite a jump and quite an effort you know yeah actually this is a very important part of my jump or like the plunge i took into podcasting right mm-hmm. so one of the things um when i talk to people within my circle saying i'm going to start podcasting was where does the money come from and yeah. i think for me it was very clear it's still clear that i don't want to make money out of the podcast that i'm doing mm. uh because for me the podcast serves two purposes one is i am learning through each conversation if i am not learning from the conversation then either the topics that i've picked or the guests that i've picked or how i'm having these conversations are not right that's yeah. the first bit the second bit is since in the past i've always been benefited by the conversations i have um with folks to understand the nuances of a journey um and then sort of lift some of these and apply it to see how it applies to me um this sort of becomes a platform for a one to many mentoring uh, if i can call it that right yeah, so yeah. and if i start putting money with it then i'll be going after subscriptions i'll be going after you know sponsorship and you know driven a different way so it's very clear that i'm not going to monetize the podcast so mm. i that was the first thing so at least that's not your driving force no I not mean, at if it all. does happen i don't think you'd yeah, be yeah. a person saying no 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 oh, yeah, no yeah. money chi 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 that's this guy oh of course <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> by the way i'm a hardcore shopaholic right so mm. i still have to figure out how 
that yeah. bit comes. <laughs> I know. I, I can totally feel you. You go on that silly <laughs> smartphone of that we all have and suddenly it's like, wait a second, do you like, um, if you like this pair of jeans, you might like this wardrobe. And I'm like, I do like this wardrobe. How did you know Amazon? <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly, it's beautiful. It's beautiful how they've got us and we, we and, and you and I are aware of it, but we still yeah. go back. It's beautiful. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, I think that's an amazing thing to remind people um not that we're teaching anyone anything if you want to learn of course it's your um it, it's as you said your attitude towards towards what you approach it with but i think it's so easy to be carried away by the fact that whether you are making uh, money and you're getting offers because the drive is completely different then you seek the right platform you're constantly looking at analytics you're constantly like why yes. comparing yourself to other platforms doing the format in a way that a successful podcast would do or a successful format would do but this direction you've taken very clearly uh, taken a direction that you want to get people who you learn from as a result of speaking with them and you want the takeaway for people which is very clear which is uh, how do you change if you want to change your attitude or change your skill how do you do it which is very yeah but personal um direction you've taken but how do you get that out of your 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 speakers because sometimes i've noticed is that um a person who's say an an activist with animals right is doing great work no doubt about it but many times you meet people who more and more today are doing it because it's the right identity which will get them the right eyeballs which will get them the right instagram profile and become an influencer as a result and of course this is not generalizing but this is a few people who take that one thing whether it's it's a cause or whether it's a lifestyle and make that entire entire being about that yeah. and once you want to get a little deeper with them and once you scratch the surface and get past that identity that label that they are flaunting and celebrated for there's they don't know who they are so you know it's very hard for you to get to know them because they don't know themselves yeah so it's a very good question right sandeep because um a this big... podcast is all about good questions <laughs> <laughs> it's just that i don't let you finish the answer <laughs> no no you've been doing a fine job so. thank you it means a lot from my fellow podcaster <laughs> so first thing i discovered is like the first seven because i was completely new to everything right from mm. you know podcasting to the technology to the canvas itself yeah. i decided to really reach out to my friends so my first seven podcasts are just very close friends of mine mm. um and they were comfortable to come and have a conversation and i was very clear i'm not going into just success stories i need the the devil is in the details and i want to go yeah. into that and if you're okay with that recording mm -hmm. is when we will do that um and so the first seven really helped me just build my confidence in terms of you know the fundamentals of running a podcast i guess yeah, yeah. um but that really then helped me to start preparing for my next set of guests and i mm -hmm. bring in guests from a very eclectic mix because um and that's because of a learning um I come from the corporate world and within that the network is pretty good but yeah. when I speak to them it's a certain brand they have there's a certain you know um uh, what is that what is the right word um identity like you said that they mm -hmm. have and it's mostly about success I have done this I have done that and mm. you know those are the conversations and we don't speak about the failures 
and the vulnerabilities that much in the corporate world. Um, yeah. And so what I noticed is when I was getting guests from the creative as well as the passion economy um, to come as guests, they were, because it's all about that is how an identity is created, they are very proud to talk about that as a journey. Like, mm. for example, Prithvi and his journey of like, you know, just the art of learning about himself and mm. really rediscovering himself or most of my guests for, for that matter, how do they go about? They're much comfortable in talking about those vulnerabilities and journeys. Mm. Um, that helped me understand that when I sort of identify guests, one is what kind of guests and I wanted to bring them from different um, you know, economies of uh, business. Um, mm -hmm. Two is, um, I always ask them, is there a passion that you're working on? What's keeping you up these days? It mm. could be like, for example, the war today, just the humanity or the, you know, the complexity of the war or the history around it. It could be like, you know, in the case of uh, my last guess, it's about dogs and behaviors mm. of dogs. And so mm. what's keeping you you know, really engaged and passionate about what is it that you're passionate about? Because again, it's all about the guest. And for me, it's about learning from the guest. And so once you talk about a space that is really passionate, that they're passionate about, mm. conversations just flow in. And then mm. it's about you basically going the rabbit hole to understand that subject that they're so passionate about. Mm. And I'm not going with the whole thing of, oh, I know it all. I'm going with the attitude of, I want to learn. Um, mm. So it's only questions. And uh, like, for example, uh, supply chain, I had one guest come and talk about supply chain. And I was, uh, um, you know, he opened the doors and the avenues for what is happening in the in India about supply chain, especially in the agriculture space and the agri tech mm. space, which I was completely like, you know, I didn't even know about anything. Yeah, and yeah. it really opened doors for me in terms of exploring new things. And that was the whole purpose of the first part of it, right? Am I learning something? Am I, yeah. you know, understanding something new or something, discovering something new? I think the moment I went into that model, and there's a lot of research that happened. So like, for example, when you and I spoke, we spoke yeah. for almost two hours. Um, and I checked to see, are you comfortable going to talk about some of these journeys, to talk mm. about some of these vulnerabilities. Yeah. Um, and I asked these questions as well, very uh, curiously. Um, but there is no questionnaire. We just pivot on a particular subject and that's it. Yeah. Then you come to the studio and it's, I don't know how it maneuvers. Um, I don't know if it will continue in that topic. We've even jumped to different topics as well. Yeah. Um, so the guest sort of takes me um, through a journey for that hour or one and a half hours and I found mm. that to be uh, really interesting um, both for me as a style of conversation as against mm. preparing questions and you know we used to be I've done that in the corporate world where you prepare questions and you go into a webinar and you facilitate a you know um, a conversation of sorts and I yeah. didn't want to do that so it was a very conscious one but this model really helped me you know, maneuver through these conversations. Long answer, yeah. no? 
No, it's good. It's. Uh, I was just. It's got. I was thinking that's. Uh, that's a good answer, which makes you think for more um, <laughs> for the next question, <laughs> as opposed to like, hmm, what? I need to paint my wall. That <laughs> no, that wasn't happening. But but I don't know. You know this passion economy thing. I first when you mentioned it up top in the episode, you, I thought you said fashion economy, but the passion economy is great. I think right with yeah. one plus billion people, uh, if you have the chance to even look beyond how to get food on your plate or beyond a certain um, standard of living to get to a place of how do I um, understand, how do I sit down and think about what is my, what makes me, what drives me, what makes me wake up in the morning feeling, okay, you know what, it's still, there's still so much to do in this space, which is my passion. Even that I feel, I think it's great that it's, come to India um, but I feel even that is being nipped in the bud by this corporate uh, entity I'm not saying the same corporate but this approach of the corporates right it's, it's, it's like how do you monetize your passion how yeah. do you get quick at your passion and people are rewarded um, with certain things which might not be um, their real passion but it's the right kind of thing to be seen right like oh you know this person pursued their passion and in six months they hit a billion views that is again it's the achievement it's the outcome which is being celebrated right because a passion for for say comedy could be a true passion to tell funny stories or tell people jokes that make them smile and laugh and take a load off their chest but do you do we hear of those people who are doing it all the time or do we hear of the ones who are on netflix or the successful ones or in in youtube we do we hear of the ones who are okay may not be I'm not saying under the radar is always good, but people doing it because they genuinely love doing it. You only hear of the ones who are rewarded because they had the right kind of combination of passion and business sense and marketing and how, and and and, and then you always are like telling people who want to pa- pursue their passion that see how this person pursued their passion, which is, <laughs> I find that not, appro- not the right approach because it takes time to find it. Yeah. It takes time to understand that this is really it. And it's not always rewarding in the conventional sense with outcome and achievement but it's rewarding in a very different way which is not always shown is what i'm trying absolutely, to get absolutely absolutely i think that's where um so here's another um thing i discovered as i got into um attitude makeover full flesh right so mm-hmm. one of the things i noticed is my entire um setup, whether it is the studio, whether it is my production house, the teams that are really helping me uh, with the creatives, all of them are 22 to 25, 26 years old. Yeah. Right. And all of them are in the passion economy. So mm-hmm. they're doing something that they really enjoy. Um, if I go, if I just step back, our parents sort of worked and lived in an organization from the start of their career to the to their retirement. Yeah. If you look at our generation, um, we sort of stick to a certain space that we're comfortable with. We either go into depth or sometimes into breadth. Um, mm. But and we hop within that comfort zone. Yeah. It could be we hop companies, we hop certain you know technologies Levels. and yeah. things like that. Yeah. But if you see the the next generation, it's it's very different. They mm. know their self-worth, they know their value proposition, mm. and they know this is what I'm worth. And yeah. so it's it's a very different kind of conversation that you have right from the beginning. Hey, mm. 90 minute studio, yeah, 
I, I have it. I can give it to you. This is the contract. This is how much it costs. All good. Yes, mm. done. Nice. Right. So they really know this. And the next generation, which is the budding one in my house, I can see it even more aggressively different. And I think, so yeah, you're saying it's more, it's, it's, it's even more pronounced than the middle generation between oh, yours absolutely. and her. So they, she already, your daughter's 14, you said. Yeah. So she already is, knows who she is or what, what, what do you mean? It's, it's even more pronounced. So I think she is very clear of what uh, value prop she comes with. Mm. I mean, it'll evolve gradually, but then she's very clear of that. And it's not like uh, I want to be an engineer or a doctor. It's very clear. I want to explore. They, they know that there are different avenues that they can explore. It's not the end of it. Mm. Um, just when engineering, beyond engineering, there's much more to it. So they are much more, you know, open to these kind of things. And um, the world has become a sketchboard or a canvas for them as against us when we were growing. For us, it was just Bangalore when we were growing, right? It was about yeah. companies in Bangalore and probably in India, more IT hubs here and there. But yeah. that is changing drastically. And, as and I think result, we were stuck. We're stuck between our parents and the kids. Yes. Um, still. Just to add that there. Yeah. We still. <laughs> we still are. Yeah. Because I mean, we, we, we don't want to disappoint. And yes. if you're not going after achievement, you will disappoint. Yeah. <laughs> you know and, I mean? and not just that, right, Sandeep? Like if you look at you and me at this point, we have parents who are aging. So yeah. you need to ha hold on to a certain job the money comes in again yeah. uh, because you have aging parents and you need to figure out how to take care of the healthcare bit for them and keep yeah. them comfortable. You also have kids, which means the education system and the expenses associated with it in Oof. the future planning. You need yeah. to take bloody, you're getting into that world soon. I'm, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. I'm just like, no, no, another episode. We'll do this as another episode in a few months. I need your tips on how to do this balancing act, right? Because, yeah. and then comes the other thing, the emotional thing, right? Because yes. your daughter is in this space where you're never out of the bubble. You're always in the feedback loop. It, okay, yes. And I'm glad that the generations be, coming after us are clearer with what they're worth. And that also comes with an a flip side of a little bit of entitlement, which is fine, oh, I suppose. It's overconfidence from underconfidence, which we went through. But it also comes with this entire set of noise, which is being pumped through these speakers of Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And now whichever platform you're on, Snapchat, TikTok, it's just a speaker system, a public announcement system, reinforcing this belief of which you might think, oh, I, I think that, you know, all... Uh, short-haired people are great and I'm an activist for all short-haired people. Now the speakers are going, increasing the volume, increase the volume. So you're kind of getting so deafened in this noise that you're not able to think. So it is doesn't, I'm glad that there are more uh, avenues for the next generations to explore and it's coming with a sense of confidence and clarity, but it's a lot more noisy You can, and, and, and it's difficult to tune out, I feel. Yeah, and it's also, as a parent, it is much more different. Like, you know, what is parenting before to what is parenting today is very different because yeah. the plethora of data and information that these kids are exposed to yeah. is so different from our world. Our world, we had to go to the mobile library. We used to get books every week. 
and yeah. you know we if your parents are working then you have a circle who could counsel you on what career paths to take and things yeah. like that whereas today i think they have youtubers they have um social media <laughs> yes and so it's a it's yeah. a very different world and mm. as parents also it's very different on you don't know how to you know really have some of these conversations no one's trained us yeah. i'm sure our parents did what was best that they could do in their generation yeah and we are trying our best and we're not perfect we will make mistakes but uh, i think it's a balance um you know in terms of how we have these kind of conversations as well yeah. um and it also means that you see the old responsibility on our generation you have to make money you have to make living easy for your parents you have to plan for the future of your kids careers yeah. then your own career and your own life satisfaction and your own retirement yeah. plans and thereby after all this comes your self esteem confidence mental issues health issues yeah. we are in a complete uh, you know kitchidi of sorts absolutely <laughs> no I, but i think fine but for, i think being aware of it is number one a very big step in the right direction and more importantly in that kind of whirlpool of various forces finding one little little i wouldn't say island but a little centimeter square of this space that saying that this is where i am in this i'm okay in this space uh, yeah. that being your mind and body and your um sort of phase where you are in life right now gives you that i mean like you can only imagine if that that space increases yeah. but i'm saying just trying to find that is so important because Absolutely. it's so easy right now to be pulled in all directions right like oh god am i uh, you if you want to be a better mother uh, go on to this you know subscribe to my channel if you want to be a better <laughs> listener go to this channel you want to be a better daughter you go to this channel i'm like dude you know and everyone's got an opinion yeah which um you know is being promoted for a certain reason and how do you know which is the fact and which is the truth and how do you know until you find that space and say okay wait a second all this is available to me but who am i and more importantly what do i as a person with all these flaws insecurities vulnerabilities responsibilities strengths how do i take in what i want and need and apply it to my situation it's it's very difficult and the, the reason i sort of bring this as context to going into your channel attitude makeover right and i think that's great what you're doing because you're giving people targeted information in a conversation format of okay this is here's an example of this person who did this particular thing and you are giving a set of um you could say points that help them make decisions which i think is great yeah i i think another part of this is also the how aspect right like mm. if you see with what you just said and it's so true because information is so scattered um you probably are following uh, like a tim ferris or lex friedman or xyz mm -hmm. and then yeah. a whole bunch of psychologists these days you're following a lot of psychologists then mm. a whole lot of community groups like moms and you know technology groups etc etc uh -huh. and it's so vast so while you still maneuver through the why and the what of your own personal journey now that you figured this how do you go about what about the how yeah. it's so difficult to figure out the how and that's why these conversations help because in these conversations you also understand how did they go about like yeah. they also had certain challenges constraints 
um, and they describe some of these constraints and yeah. then they talk about you know how did they go about now is that a blueprint for everybody absolutely no because mm. your situation would be so different from mine but yeah. can i sort of understand how the maneuvers happen and sort yeah. of then figure out my how which will be very unique to me which yeah. could be much longer much shorter depending on my situation but the Absolutely. how starts becoming a little more clear or no one talks about the how um that often there's a mm. lot of why and what uh but the how it's is it's easy the- not to say the why and what and not share the how yeah because i think the how is like oh you know i saw um saujanya she's a really popular youtuber and she but no one will tell you i mean it's very difficult for you to tell someone how i did it right because i'll assume that oh she sat up all night editing when might that might might not be my strength so i'll waste an entire year trying to learn editing yeah. when my strength may not be that i might just have to go to a studio and hire someone to do it yeah. i'm saying that is something as simple as uh, how a how can help a person absolutely. right because knowing that that person's how is not your how yeah yeah absolutely yeah. And, and that's exactly what happened when i started the podcast because i had done it earlier like when the yeah. first, when i did it the first time uh, there's a lot of arrogance and ego saying ah podcasting i want to get into it how hard is it i'm a technology person but then i burnt my fingers after spending one and a half years yeah. in terms of you know i just couldn't pull off the content even though i had 48 hours of content so this time when i went into it i sort of reached out to a whole bunch of podcasters yeah. asking will you mentor me because mm. i want to understand how you went about and i even volunteered as a guest in a bunch of podcasts to right. see how are they doing it to then identify what is the how that will work for me do mm. i take it in the long way of really editing it myself and things like that or do i just onboard a team for that aspect and so yeah. i'll stay focused on the bigger picture that i am trying because i know how i function i lose interest if things get complicated in the tech space and i can get very detailed in the perfectionist space so yeah. i figured i might as well just get someone who knows the production bit yeah. and so you know so i can just focus on the conversation the guest and the topics and the depth that i go into whereas nice. production is something that's a team work and i get a team going so the yeah. how becomes really important in this and no one talks about that that um at all um you'll you'll sort of hear bits and pieces um in different workshops or different blogs and things like that mm. uh, but these are more like you know longer format uh, in nature books um if yeah. you're into reading books again there is a how aspect that comes out yeah yeah absolutely yeah but even the how it's important to realize that it's not always going to work for you no that how right because yeah. people might say you know it could be an instructional video on how to uh, play Absolutely. a sport or yeah. get your 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 cricket swing right or whatever right but it's important to realize that i think um, especially with what you're trying to do with attitude shifts in the mind or how perspective changes is to understand how you, you as yeah. a person as a being work yeah and yeah. i think that is really difficult because i think it's very easy with a lot of people saying no no that's not what you have to do that's not how you do it because you're not like this you are like this you are yeah. uh, you, and and it suits their agenda yeah yeah so i think um no i just wanted to say it's great that you're doing this and um giving people a glimpse of the fact that they have options and i think that is many times 
something they might not be aware of. Yeah. They might be very sort of well-painted sort of lines showing them the lanes that are different avenues, but showing them that within that lane or even beyond those lanes, there are more lanes which might not be always celebrated or rewarded, yeah. but there is um, maybe a need for it. There is joy in it. There is a sense of fulfillment in those lanes which aren't with the, with the clearest sort of marks, you know? Correct, correct. And I think uh, uh, I'll give you an analogy. Another thing I learned in this process is also uh, patience, right? Like mm. um, I used to play hockey in school mm. and you don't learn how to sort of um, take the ball all the way to the goal in day one. Um, you yeah. very gradually learn that. You probably take months and years to actually ace it better and better. Yeah. But it starts with just going to the field and showing up. Yeah. Um, and I think that's very important for us. A lot of us struggle, including me, right? It took me a while to really take that plunge. Uh, yeah. Quitting a corporate world, which is like very cushiony, like, you know, really luxurious and things are sorted out to starting something like this where I don't even know ABCD of it. Um, yeah. it takes a different kind of courage and absolutely and uh, people are always fearful of okay what if i fail what if i what yeah. if I, this goes wrong so that fear and those threshold, are the ones are the ones who drop all the nasty comments i've realized sorry just to throw it that <laughs> in the ones who want to do it but they can't do it so they hate on people who are doing it anyone they hate on anyone who is doing it and that's their insecurity and jealousy speaking out and they're, they're, they're now known as the trolls. So just putting that out there, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so I think uh, for me, um, it was also important to understand the pace. Um, yeah. But first step is to just show up, is to just yeah. take that plunge. Now, is my plunge the right way? I don't think so. For everybody, mm. will it work for everybody? No. Most likely not, yeah. Yeah. So you could be in your own proper professional career path, but then can you look at the bigger picture of where the world is trending? What mm. are some of the mega trends and what are some skills that I should start honing for myself to be ready for that? That could just be your future plunge that you're taking. Or, mm. you know, I figured this is, this is my passion. Three yeah. years from now, I want to take the plunge into that passion. So how do mm. I gradually set things right in my life? To yeah. take that plunge, that could be another route. Or I'm just starting out of college. I need to figure it out completely new, either as a startup or whatever. That could be a complete different path. But yeah. that's why each one of us are in a different journey. And that's why the guests come from different backgrounds. Um, to be able to help one to understand which journey maps to their current situation. Yeah. And then decided for themselves. So it's a very introspective way of looking at it, I think. Yeah, because I think it's also a lesson. And I think that's one thing which I get pissed off in co the corporate spiel is this work-life balance, which is total rubbish, right? Like, <laughs> honestly, you work. Of course, we all have to work towards something, but to get food on the table, to get some sense of satisfaction, fulfillment, set to, to kind of build our sort of personality with all the various aspects that go into it. But you don't have to def define it by a nine to five or a job title, right? You you work, you yeah. you have skills that you, you, you get, whether it's skills that are um, giving you strength to sort of cope with different inputs and different environments, or whether it's a sense of um, 
um, release. That's a form of a skill where you want to play a sport or it could be a skill to listen, to be empathetic. I mean, you can put words like skills on it, but it's just how do you get through this one chance we've got called life? And yeah. um you know, not not tear your hair apart, and <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. and I feel this is something which is which no one talks about is that it might not be the most tempting because you will be standing in the headlights going, oh my god, every act of mine is out there. It might be visible, it might be criticized, it might be um, you know shunned, it might not be accepted, it might not be celebrated. But when you do feel that you are accountable, you are responsible, and you are all of it just by virtue of the fact that you are standing out and not a part of a group which you can hide for your failures or be rewarded for your successes. I think that strength is, um, it's unequal. Or Absolutely. It's unparalleled. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's important for one to actually internalize that. Um, mm. You know, it's, that's the first step, right? Like, um, I remember when I was uh, last year, I think this work from home, while initially it was all like, you know, oh, wow, work from home is happening. Eventually, yeah. it got to 14 hours, 12 hours of work. And your work-life yeah. balance goes for a toss. Yeah. It comes down to what are priorities. Things are moving yeah. so fast. Kids are growing so fast. Parents are aging really fast. Yeah. Um, you yourself are aging so fast. So what is important? What is a priority? And maybe you can't change that today. But can I start working towards really changing it for that ideal space that I want to function in at a later point? And how do I prepare myself for that? I think that introspection has to start because I, I was just reading a report yesterday, Sandeep. Um, one of the things I found is one the set of occupations that are really catching up for the next five years mm. um, is around mental health, uh, yeah. psychologists, psychiatrists, counselors. That's the space that's really mm. catching up. It really talks about what's happening. Yeah, it reflects on the sad uh, plight the reality of, of it, right? Yeah, because of the abundance we so supposedly have. Yeah, uh, abundance of lifestyle choices and riches and luxuries, but there's clearly a lack of acceptance from each individual for who they are with all the good and bad. Yeah. Otherwise, you wouldn't really be upset when. When you're longing for something and you're not belonging to something, uh, or rather when you are not comfortable within your own, when you're not comfortable with who you are and what you um, identify as your entirety, then there's constantly going to be this thing that I'm not, I'm not part of something. I'm, I don't, I don't get accepted. I, I, I feel this sense of, um, you know, the sense of being lost in this entire thing because nothing feels like um i mean i i think it 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 takes away from who you are the more yeah. um you look outward for validation or for a sense of uh purpose then i think the more and more there are things saying okay inadequacy is being highlighted or um there's someone going to tell you that be like me or be do these things so i think to just sort of to put it in a sentence, I think if, 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 if your internal sort of conversation starts, it just helps you um, look at things with a little bit more clarity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it starts with making time for that. <laughs> yeah, which is very hard to find. Yeah, it's easy. <laughs> We're filled with the world, uh, in a world with distractions, you know. Yeah, yeah. With a lot of noise. 
No, but I'm so, um, you know, thankful for um, you coming on this episode and talking about your story and what you're doing. And also, I think on behalf of uh, my listeners sharing the um, things that you have been through and what you um, kind of have done with the things that life has thrown at you. And um, good luck with um, the the conversations and the channel. And I think uh, it's, it's great to, to see and meet someone and talk to someone who's doing work which is beyond themselves and sharing ideas and sharing stories and sharing things that people can use to apply to their situation to understand who they are and how to use that to move ahead in this uh, experience we call life thank you so much sandeep and thank you first of all for having me here My i know pleasure. it was like a um you know sudden chat that we have <laughs> hey these are the best ones <laughs> yeah these are the best ones but uh, thank you so much this has been a very lovely conversation and i'm looking forward to more lovely thank you <laughs> thank you Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you like what you heard, please do check out the other episodes on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. And I would much appreciate it if you could like the video, share it with people who you think might enjoy it. And of course, do subscribe to the channel because it will help me and the podcast grow and reach more people just like you. So thanks again. Appreciate it.